Uh, welcome to the Grabs Podcast. This is Grant Falby. I'll be your host today. Uh, the point of these podcasts is to document one real life rescue at a time, hearing real stories from, from the fire ground and keeping them short. If you've got a grab, have had a grab, successful or otherwise, please go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill out that information so we can get the good information uh, from the streets and pass that on to the training ground. Today with me, I've got Josh Scott. You may have remembered he did a previous podcast with us about a grab he had in June 2019, but he's back with us uh, doing another uh, grab that he had. Uh, welcome, Josh. Uh, tell us just briefly about yourself and about your department, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. Grant, thanks for having me back. Um, as you probably remember from the previous podcast, I'm into my ninth year as a professional firefighter. I work for the city of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. We have uh, four full-time stations. Uh, it's strictly a professional full-time department, surrounded by volunteer departments, a uh, population of about 75,000 people, and kind of our infrastructure layout is heavy residential, quite a bit of commercial, and we have a large uh, industrial steel plant uh, within the city limits as well, and kind of two sort of interesting additional pieces are being on the St. Mary's waterfront, connecting Lake Superior and Lake Ontario. Uh, we provide waterfront ice and water rescue, as well as uh, support services to an international, small international airport, uh, about 15 to 20 kilometers west of our city limits. We uh, we use um, an aircraft firefighting truck there dedicated uh, strictly to our firefighters at the city of Sault Ste. Marie. Cool. And we'd talked before, you got four stations and you dump all those stations on a residential structure fire, giving you what about 14, 14 folks on scene. Yeah, we have 14 suppression staff plus our platoon chief on scene. That complement would be made up of, of four captains, for operators and then the remainder would be would be firefighters all right so take us to this grab and, and walk us through what happened here uh yeah this actually would have been my first grab this one took place prior to the one that we previously discussed uh would have been the 2018 calendar year spring sometime forgive me i can't remember the exact month um, I was working in the city's east end truck again, actually, in the same situation, but with less staffing. That truck is a little dynamically staffed, depending on how many are on shift that day. So this particular fire that we were responding to, there was three of us on the truck. And kind of to build a little bit of a background picture for you or kind of get an idea for the listeners on how our department deploys, we have a two-in, two-out rule. Um, second arriving apparatus is always writ. And we do require it to be established before you're able to make entry. There is a little flexibility in that operating guideline, um, but there's some criteria that go with it. Uh, so for something line of sight, uh, possibly even VES related, if, if we arrive, if the first two truck arrives and, and gets a record of confirmed entrapment, confirmed you mean victim location and it's something that we we can set up to do line of sight then that is allowable um i believe there's a stipulation afterwards that will require you to respond to the fire chief in writing though to to defend your actions 
but it is important to note that I mean they're they're not out to get you. It's, it's not it's not a situation where you're you're looking at I mean immediate discipline, but there will be an explanation that needs to be given. But there is a there is a, a line of sight clause, I guess we'll call it. So in this particular shift, um, I believe it was early morning hours. Uh, specific time I don't recall, but it was daylight. I got a call for a report of smoke in an apartment building in our first due district. So we were the first due engine that arrived, three of us on it. It was fairly close to our station, only a couple blocks away. Um, the reason that that's important is because the closer it is to our actual station, then the longer it's going to take for the next arriving apparatus. Longer being a couple to a few minutes, depending on a number of conditions, weather, traffic, that sort of stuff. But shortly after our arrival, we could hear the next responding truck on route. Um, there just wasn't a long line of sight down our street uh, to be able to tell exactly when it was going to arrive. Uh, we had partial evacuation. Uh, my captain was doing his size up, and we had we were able to to notice. Oh, it was uh, important to note that it's a four-story apartment building. If you're counting, the first floor would be somewhat subgrade, about four feet subgrade, a little bit of like a basement. I believe there was roughly eight units per floor. So we had partial evacuation, uh, report of smoke showing on the basement floor. There was a main entrance kind of located in the center of the building that would have entered technically to the second floor, the, the floor just immediately above grade. So we opted to take a look in the entrance from the Bravo side, which entered from the driveway to a, that would give you access to a rear parking lot. On the Bravo and on the Delta side of the building, there were side entrances with stairwells. So as you would enter into the stairwell, you'd be able to see down straight through the hallway of the basement level. So standing there on that set of stairs, taking a knee, I was able to get a look down the hallway and I could see smoke coming out from a closed door, from beneath a closed door on what looked to be about three apartments down. And it was thick black smoke heading up to the ceiling. It was rolling out either direction towards, towards me and then towards the Delta side and then beginning to bank down the ceiling. About 45 to 50 feet away from me was my officer. He was standing at the road near the sidewalk in front of the building, and he was keeping an eye on me and waiting for the next arriving truck. He's waiting till he can see the next arriving truck to know what kind of time we have before we can make entry. So trying to build a bit of a picture in your mind here, it, it can be tricky when you have occupants of a building on scene telling you that they know somebody's inside, they know a fire's inside, and you and your crew are there. They don't understand why it is that you're not yet making entry while you're waiting for the next due truck to arrive and then have the ability to establish it. So it, it is kind of a challenge that I'm sure is not completely unique to our department, but it would be unique to some people and it's probably not easy for everybody to understand, but it's the way that we operate. So that's what we're dealing with. To continue on with the fire, that next arriving apparatus comes around the corner. So now my captain's headed towards me so that we can enter as a pair. 
as soon as they arrive and you hear the brakes, they're on the radio that they, they've arrived, they're establishing a writ, so now we're able to make entry. It, it couldn't have been any more than likely about a minute and a half. It would have been under two minutes from our arrival time to their arrival time. It just feels a lot longer than that when you feel like you're ready you're ready to go, you're ready to do what the public's expecting you to do, and, and you're you're waiting for a minute. Nevertheless, down the set of stairs, we went to the basement floor. I had the Halligan, again, my captain with the thermal imager. Uh, we didn't stretch a line with us on this one, even as the first two truck, because our actual task was to find the the missing person that was reported to be in his apartment. So as we went down the set of stairs to the left, which I wasn't able to see from from the doorway at the side of the building, was an apartment door. So my count was actually off when I was looking down the hall from the from the set of stairs. I could count three doors, so I knew that I was going into the third apartment. Turns out it was actually the fourth apartment heading down the hall on the left. There was one door that I wasn't able to see until we went down the stairs. So with the Halligan, I made a quick forcible entry on the third apartment only to very quickly discover in a blocked out hallway when you force the door open in the hall and into the apartment is perfectly clear with sun shining through the, the window from the backside. You know that that's not the one. So we quickly bypassed, made it to the next apartment, forced that door, and it was it, it was like fully blocked out conditions. Again, uniquely not overly hot, but zero visibility. I kneeled down, felt along the wall, stood up a little bit to check the heat conditions. wasn't hot. I took two steps forward, and sure enough, I was I was face to face with the occupant of the apartment, right through my face piece. His face was right on my face piece. He happened to be standing in the blocked out smoke, very confused and disoriented, um, but conscious, which turned out to be a, a huge bonus. We were able to kind of grab him by the arm and and lead him out it was a little bit of a kind of a force him out he was confused and somewhat combative but we were able to hustle him down the hallway and and hand him off to another crew and then uh then head back into the apartment uh isolate the fire in the kitchen provide ventilation and some suppression and that was about the extent of that run talk a little bit about so he was confused i mean obviously the normal person with a kitchen fire would just get out. Was he combative on the way out or how was, how was that in, in talking to him and letting him know what you had to do? Yeah. You know, I use, I use the term combative because I feel like I'm kind of at a, at a lack of a better way to describe it. But he, he wasn't actually physically combative, but he, he would have had heavy, heavy smoke inhalation in those conditions. Like, so you mean for him to be there, I mean, they definitely weren't tenable conditions and I, and I bring up I mean the reason I brought up uh, our two in two out and our response and sometimes how tricky it gets you mean having to hold short and wait for that additional crew which uh, you mean I, I will I will validate the safety of it you know, I mean every one of us that you mean goes to a job wants to come home so I mean that rule is there for for our protection um, I'm, I'm not criticizing it but it, it can be it can be something that you need to really prepare for, given the fact that just the nature of our work is 
is so time dependent. You know what I mean? Minutes, minutes matter. Minutes can be the difference between whether or not you, you're able to save a life and whether or not that person, you know I mean? It just, it's just very interesting. And in this particular case, you know I mean, I think the lack of heat, you mean, added to the, you know what I mean, to the extension of this guy's available time. But had we been much longer, we would have been dealing with an unconscious patient versus a conscious patient. But he had definitely taken taken in a significant amount of smoke, and he was certainly confused, disoriented, um, and I, I don't think he was anywhere. I think he was long past the point of of making any rational decisions to to exit on his own. Yeah, and the the other point that stuck out to me as you told this story, and I I heard this from a, a friend, Larry McCormick from Chicago Fire, was passing off that victim so you can go back, whether it's to. Uh, complete the fire suppression or finish off searching. It only makes sense if you knew where you f- left off that you can pick up from that point. But I think some people are reluctant or don't think about just handing that victim off if you can to another crew, uh, maybe a little more fresh than you are certainly closer to the door than you. So you can finish what you're doing. Uh, is that pretty common practice for, for you guys? If, if given the opportunity, I think if the opportunity presents itself, but it, it's going to come down to, you mean, it's going to come down to the conditions of the fire, you know what I mean? And then your, you mean, physical abilities after making that grab. So because we just discussed two different grabs, one of them being, you mean, all out maximal effort, moving an unconscious, unconscious patient, you know I mean, 60 plus feet, I mean, I was entirely... I mean, spent. I mean, that was that was all out effort. Everything I had, tank empty to make that grab on the on the previous fire that we discussed. Where this fire, I mean, with these conditions, being able to walk in and and more or less, I mean, forcefully assist a patient out. I mean, under their own ability. I mean, that's that's a lot less physically demanding. So to be able to pass that patient off and then turn around and go back in and perform suppression activities or ventilation, I mean, it's that, that possibility is there. Is there anything else you want to add that lessons learned that you took away from this fire? The take, I think the big takeaway for me on this fire was just using, you know I mean, using that time. You have that time for us. We have some, we sometimes, not always, but we sometimes have that couple of minutes between the arrival times of trucks using it to the best of your ability be as prepared as you can possibly be i mean if you're not doing something whether it's putting together you mean a game plan or doing an additional size up of your own looking for a secondary means of egress then you're then you're wasting time i mean i think as as firefighters we have a responsibility when we're on scene to do the best we can and and use the time to the best of our ability so if you're there and you're just waiting and you're not using it then you're not doing all that you can be. Very good point. Hey, I, that stuck out to me too when you're waiting and counting doors and getting low and getting that life fire layout look while you can uh, before you end up going in is, is always good. Well, Josh, I appreciate you sharing your uh, the second story with us. And a reminder to everybody, if you get get a grab successful or otherwise, um, we'd love to hear about it. We want you don't keep that information to yourself. If you have the ability, let's share it so everybody can learn from it. Um, get a hold of me, Grant Facebook, or uh, Residential Primary Search Making the Grab, or Justin McWilliams on the, or on the search culture on Facebook. 
Um, and if you can't do either one of those, at least get on firefighterrescuesurvey.com and put in your information so that we can have that captured. Uh, appreciate you listening to Grabs. And until next time, this is Grant.